Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us today, Robbie Triano from SiriusXM. It is Tuesday takes. I take a back seat. Let Robbie throw out the hot fire that he's got planned for you all. Oklahoma supremacy question mark. Kansas, one of the best stories in all of college football. Kansas State, what in the hell is going on there? And the importance of Baylor and Iowa State this weekend. All that stuff and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here with Robbie Triano. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel, tap the bell for notifications, like the videos, and give us your thoughts on everything that we're going to talk about. So, Robbie, really eventful week in the Big 12. Um I actually, you know, I, I always ask you some of your takes before. I, I think your number one take is probably one of my number one takeaways too. We're doing the whole Kansas thing. We're going to talk about Kansas. We have a full Kansas show coming out tomorrow. Robbie's give us Kansas thoughts as well, given some from the weekend. But really, if we're talking about how the Big 12 factors into the greater picture of college football, we have to talk about Oklahoma. Yeah, 100%. And my hot take for this Tuesday show is I think they're the clear number one team in the conference. And that hurts me because, you know, I've said a lot of things about Oklahoma that I didn't necessarily believe that they could be the best team in the conference after losing Lincoln Riley and all that. So I will eat the dirt for now. Uh, But after the non-conference play, I mean, UTEP, they crush Kent state bad first half. They crush. And then they play Nebraska on the road against what should have been a motivated Nebraska team and crush them. And it's clear they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league with Dylan Gabriel. Their defense looks amazing. Eric Gray has surprisingly been one of my favorite watches in the Big 12. It's clear that he's gained some muscle at that running back position. They have depth at that running position that we didn't know that was there. And Marvin Mims, I think, is the best wide receiver in the league right now. I think he's been exceptional. And when I look at Oklahoma, we talked about their schedule a lot and what it looks like. I mean, Oklahoma right now has to be your number one team. And it also speaks about the rest of the conference, because I think right now the number two team has to be Oklahoma State. But they haven't done enough for me to say, you know what, they are better than Oklahoma at this current point. And also that defensively, we still have to wait and see what as they end the conference play. Baylor has not looked as good as we thought they could be. Texas, yes, they are good, but they have not shown what they can be, especially that loss in Alabama, which was a good performance, but they still need to prove a lot. And then Kansas State, we're going to talk about them later, but that's a a shocking loss to Tulane. After non-conference, if they went undefeated, we could have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Nebraska as this, this force. But right now, Oklahoma has to be the number one team in the conference, and they did it again. Damn you. Yeah, it is. It's been three lesser opponents, but they've done what you would ask against three lesser opponents. And so when that stuff happens, Robbie, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is it that we can take that that tells us something, right? And obviously this week the rally was, you know, they got they got punched in the mouth early. I think they had a three and out first, then they gave them a touchdown. And then it's just, I mean, it was one way traffic. The rest of the game, um, you know, I think obviously we'll talk about offense with this team. It's always about offense for Oklahoma, just because that it, it you know that place is going to attract great people on both sides of the ball. But 
for them, the one thing that really has, has stopped them from winning at the elite level has been their defense. And I remember last year going into that two-lane game, we were also excited to see what it would look like. And they could not t- – I mean, I think you and I could have broken a few tackles in that game, right? <laughs> Things were dicey in the end. I know the offense wasn't always fantastic. But this year, you're just seeing a team defense to me that – you know, last year, look, they lost a lot of guys to the NFL off that defense who are fast, good athletes. But the technical side of things, the way they tackle individually and as a team, the way they get after the line of scrimmage, they just feel like a more physically imposing team this year as going to take care of business on the defensive end that, uh, you know, in terms of like how they go about it. Right. Not talking about guys missing tackles in the back end or, you know, uh, oh, my God, you know, a a lot of yak. Right. You know, or uh, Mm -hmm. yards after contact, not after catch, but actually both of those things. That's not what I'm noticing. It's not what I noticed. You know, that one touchdown they had looked like a big coverage bust for Nebraska early on in that game. And the rest of it was really good coverage. Obviously, I think the it was Deshaun White goes out with the targeting. I believe it was him. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, was it Kranich. I'm getting his, getting his last name now. Kanak. Kanak. Yep, yep. That kid comes in and he's I mean, 10 tackles. Looks fantastic. And that's like a, obviously they got great talent thing, but it's also a, they're really well coached. They're organized. I think organization is one big thing. Talk about Kansas being organized. We'll get that in a second. But like the defense for Oklahoma is an organized attack, and guys know what they're doing. They're working together, working individually. I was impressed by that. I want to see if it holds up, but I think for me, number one, the defense looks like a legitimate top 10 defense or potentially a top 10 defense this year. And that's not something you could say in the past. Going back on Oklahoma and their defense, it is clear there is a there is an upgrade there. Uh, like definitely schematically and the players like that's something that we talked about after the NFL draft, like how exactly you're going to replace that. I just think they're putting good spots, good schemes for them to succeed. But now the real test starts with that game against Kansas state, because defensively I'm not worried about them. Offensively is where I think they're actually going to face the real test because Dylan Gabriel has been good, but I would not call him the best quarterback in the big 12 based on performance this season. I think he's shown some parts of he still has to, you know, like get up there. There's been better quarterbacks in the league this year. He, I still think talent wise, he probably is the best, but he's had to rely on his feet more than I've seen uh, or more than I think he would have been doing. So against the Kansas state defense, who is the best part about that team right now, no doubt. I think they still are the best defense in the league. That is going to be an amazing test for Oklahoma. And if they can handle that, there is no doubt in my mind Oklahoma is not only the best team in the Big 12, but I think should be mentioned in college football playoff conversations and pro- pro- possibly with the Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio States. I really think that they have they have surprised me, not because they have gone 3-0. I think we all expected that. But those are the games last year to Lincoln-Riley, like that two-lane game afterwards. You're like, okay, they won, but it, it, it wasn't pretty. And the fact that the only thing we've had to really critique them on this this non-conference slate is a bad Kent State first half, and they started down against Nebraska. It hasn't been, you know, things were hairy at any points. They have handled things very well, and that's something I think Oklahoma fans are probably excited about or ecstatic that they don't have to be nervous in these games anymore. Yeah, I, I agree. Even the Nebraska game last year was pretty hairy, right? That was an eight-point game. And ironically, they'll face that quarterback again uh, this week. 
with Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. All right, your second take involves the Jayhawks, not just talking about them in context of the league, but across college football. What do you want to say to the folks about the impressive 3-0 and undefeated Kansas Jayhawks? It is the best story in college football, and that's that's not a debate. I think there is no other team that has shown or surprised fans more and have done it in such an amazing fashion. And a lot of that has to do with Jalen Daniels. I think by far he has been the most electric player to watch in the Big 12 this season. What he can do on the ground and with his feet or like in the air. Obviously, there are some concerns that he could be more accurate or have more passing yards. But Jalen Daniel has been must watch. This team looks together. And the fact that this team had a two and a half win total over under. And after week three, they have already done it. It is spectacular. Lance Leipold, I think if you said last year he could get in the Nebraska job, you would be like, all right, that's that's crazy. But now it's like, oh, my God, isn't it, does Kansas have to worry that Lance Leipold might leave them because of what he's done just through three games? There's no other story in college football that is more heartwarming, makes you feel better, gives you faith in humanity than what's happening in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, it's it is a great story. It's it is, you know, like it's up there with the Coastal Carolina story, obviously that we you know, that we had in the past. I mean, it, you know, you think about like these great underdog stories in college football, and this is a place that look, we know what the priority is. It is basketball. It is it is so ingrained there. You know, it's just it is what they do. It's not a great football stadium. Our our colleague at SiriusXM, Gabe Iker, talks about all the time. It's like playing in a morgue. It's a challenge because of the low amount of energy, and that's that's been changed. It's funny, Robbie, because it's not been changed by a guy who is the, like he's not Brent Venables with the energy, right? He is not this. Uh, he's not Matt Campbell. He's not one of those guys. He's more towards. He's more towards. Now he's not like Dave Aranda, I would say, but like in terms of temperament, he is more towards Dave Aranda than he is towards um, you know Brent Venables. And I, I think like we mentioned organization, like that's just what it is. It's an organized attack. I mean. When you talk about Kansas football, you talk about them going down two scores on the road. Robbie, like, how does that end normally? We've been around this league long enough to know that in the past, down two scores on the road normally ends with them down three or four scores or five scores by half and somewhere in that margin at the end of the game. Not anymore. Back-to-back games, they've been putting on their behinds. Back-to-back games, they've ripped off massive point totals. And I I agree with you. It's a great story. I think the big question is, how far will it go? Uh, Anything else on KU before we move on? I mean, the game against Duke is also, I I think if you just love college football, that is a game I would never, ever, ever turn on willingly. That is a must watch this weekend. The fact that you have three or two, three and O teams and they both are historically bad at this sport. This is amazing. And after this game, they go hard. They go right into big 12 play. If Kansas is four and O heading into big 12 play, that that exceeds any expectation any Kansas fan will have ever of what has happened with this group. And honestly, I don't think they're going to be the last place team in the Big 12. I, I said that way before the season that 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 but that was like a hot take. Now that is that is a very lukewarm take. I think now that they could even be a seven, a six, if they crack the top five, that is remarkable. That like that is remarkable about what is happening just one year after this entire thing. And when it comes to their offense, too, 
they had so many different players catch the ball against Houston. It's not like, all right, we're just going to give it to him. And then he's just going to take off. Like they are balanced. They are, it is such a fun watch. And I really do think like every team now, it is not a sure thing that you can beat Kansas. We'll find out later in the season when they play like an Oklahoma or a Baylor. But I mean, this is, this is awesome. This is what you want in the big 12 to have teams of chaos like this. I love it. Yeah. You're right about that. I mean, you know, they're going to, they could go into conference play four and oh, and I mean, already have that win in conference, right. With West Virginia too, which would be a big ACE in the hole for them. All right, Robbie, what do you have next? So this is a looking forward to a week four matchup. And both of these teams have kind of, surprised me in the big 12 one bad one good and that is the baylor iowa state game because i think the result of this game can change how we view this league as a whole a lot because baylor has not done enough to necessarily say you know what they are going to repeat again offensively we thought they were going to do something completely different with blake shapen it is looking kind of like the same they want to play really good defense and they want to run the ball I don't think they have the running backs as they do last year, but they are giving it a shot. They are they are doing the thing, and it's 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 surprising me because I don't know if that's the formula that can win again this season. I think the quarterback play in this league has taken a big step, and I don't know if you can do what they did last year and repeat. So that's that's the Baylor side of things because if they win, I think it proves okay they are good because Iowa State has shocked. Because they are 3-0. and That is a team I was not high on. And yes, two of those opponents weren't very good. And one of them was Iowa. But you can tell there is a clear improvement there. I think Hunter Deckers has been pretty good. I think he's been pretty good. And I think Jarrell Brock has been a surprise in the league. It is amazing how Matt Campbell can just churn out these running backs. And just anyone who starts is just good. Xavier Hutchinson has been a top wide receiver in the league. And that defense has looked good. So if Baylor wins this game, I think I have more faith in them to be better than what I saw against BYU. And if Iowa State wins, I think they are a top five team in the league and could possibly be knocking at the Big 12 championship door. So that game to me is, I think, the most important in the league this this week. I think it can change how we view everything. Yeah, I'm with you on this game. It's so important. And I mean, it's, it is one of those narrative swinging games. And look, I, I don't know... I don't know how good either of these teams are. Like, I definitely think Baylor's got the higher ceiling just because of how good for a fact that we know they are on the offensive and defensive lines. I think that is one thing for them that they kind of have in their back pocket. Iowa State is, I mean, we should have seen this coming. Some of us did, some of us didn't. Uh, I'm not going to say that I saw, you know, this kind of, I mean, look, they beat Iowa. They beat, they, they hammered Ohio, which was good. I forget if they're playing in the SEMO. They played in the first game. I think it might have been SEMO. Yep, SEMO. Um, the one question I have, Robbie, I think it's going to get tested this week. And we mentioned a little. You and I talked about it some yesterday. Like, if you take, if you take Hutchinson out of the game, right? If you make that your focus, what does the offense look like? And you know, I, I think to me, to me, he's been my best wide receiver in the league. Um, but it's pretty clear, like Hunter Deckers relies on him. He should, the way it's been going. And I mean, that he's, I think in my opinion, Xavier Hutchinson single-handedly won them the Iowa game. He was the best offensive player and maybe even the best player period 
on the field. The way, the way he sunned Riley Moss and did it, and he was a big part of that massive touchdown drive. I mean, he finished it off, obviously, but like he is, he is such a big part of their offense all the time. My, my question is, what happens then to Iowa State? Um, I, I know Jarrell Brock's been good, right? But like, what else the passing game looked like? Kolar and Chase Allen to some extent, but mostly Charlie Kolar was a really good safety blanket. And then you toss in the fact that they also had Chase Allen, toss in the fact they also had Brees Hall. And then you give Hutch in there as well. That's a balanced offense. They have not shown to me yet that proof that they're going to be super balanced. Now, they've only played one really good team, right? But like, I know what if Brock ended up around 100 yards in that game, but like they made a ton of mistakes, right? I mean, and the only times it felt like they weren't making a ton of mistakes was when the ball was going to Hutchinson. I actually think one of the interceptions came at that point. So, but the question is here, all right, are there other, other avenues? And that's the thing, like, I'm not sure. We didn't really think this team would be that good this year, but it's a big question I have is, are there other avenues? And the other part of this, Robbie, for Baylor, this is a must-win game for Big 12 title hopes, I think, because if you lose at Jack it's a, it's a really hard place to play. If you lose at Jack Trice with Texas, Oklahoma State on the horizon next week, and they're getting a buy. I know it's on the road for them, but they're getting a buy. And OU still left, not to mention Kansas State is there too. And Kansas, I mean, man, that is going to be a really difficult run for them. So I think there's a whole lot in the line. I think you're totally right. This game, it's intriguing from so many perspectives. And I think it will answer a lot of questions for both sides. Yeah, uh, two notes there. Uh, one thing that may uh, just make you a little nervous is Iowa State, fun fact, Iowa State has not lost a home Big 12 game since October of 2019. So that may be something bad if you're a Baylor fan out there. And you brought up the Xavier Hutchinson thing, and then I decided to like look. It is remarkable how much he has gotten the volume of their offense. He currently has 28 receptions, 319 yards, and five touchdowns receiving. Hunter Deckers has only thrown eight touchdowns, so five of them has gone to him. And the second, the, the second leading receiver on their team has 12 receptions for 77 yards. It is so clear that, I mean, you are, you nailed it right there. If you take out Hutchinson out of that game, who can, who can, uh, who can Hunter Deckers trust? I'm going to say Brock Purdy. Oh my God. That was, that was terrifying. Uh, but who can Hunter Deckers trust in that situation? But I mean, like, look at him 75, 74.3 completion percentage for Deckers. So, I would say is a team I thought was going to be in the bottom tier of the Big 12, but right now they have been showing to be very good. But, I mean, you nailed it right there. If they don't have Hutchinson performing the way he is, I think this this team can be completely different. And let's, if you're a Baylor fan, focus on that. Focus on that matchup the entire game, and I trust Baylor's defense to take care of that. I have Baylor winning this game, uh, and I, I think if they can do that, we should be talking like they're the Big 12 reigning champions again. Yeah, it is it, like this will be an impressive. It's kind of the win they need, right? It's kind of the win they need because so far they got win against Texas State and Albany, right? And, and they and they were close on the road against BYU. They lose this game, like there's really no proof of that team that we thought they, you know, they 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 could excuse me, they could be. Um, all right, what do you got next? My last take is team that I was very high on heading into the season and a quarterback I was very high on this season. And that is Kansas state and Adrian Martinez and this offense. 
against Tulane was just a miserable watch. If you like three and out football, that is your type of brand of football was what I saw. And Tulane did what I think should every Big 12 team should do in conference play. If you neutralize Deuce Vaughn and you make Adrian Martinez beat you with the passing game, you are going to win because that is kind of what happened with, with the Tulane game. And yes, Deuce Vaughn still had 80 yards rushing, but he could not necessarily make the big explosive plays that we have seen that he can do is he can, you know, break, break for 30, 40 yards. That did not happen in this game at all. And if you can just keep Deuce Vaughn to four yard rushes, three yard rushes and make Adrian Martinez on third and long, try and beat you. Kansas state. This is not looking good at all. And I do not see them to beat Oklahoma at all. If this is the the way their offense is running, it's, I would say it is alarming what is happening in Manhattan right in Manhattan right now. Yeah, it, we were talking yesterday. I believe it was Derek Young, right? Uh, and he covers Kansas State, and it is like every single part of what Martinez was at Nebraska is gone in terms of the passer. He's not taking chances at all, and that is the one thing that this offense needs to be complete. Uh, Tulane was very content to load the box up. They just the, the lack of attempts were there too to spread the ball down the field. Martinez like does not have a really strong arm in my opinion. I, I I think people like give him way too much credit, but like he can push the ball down the field somewhat. And I actually thought he did, he early in the game against Missouri did a pretty decent job throwing the rock. They slowed down later in the game, but that was the game plan in bad weather. Thought he was good throwing the ball early, but besides that, like Oklahoma this week is basically going to say, all right, like make us respect that. Make us respect that. And the other part for Oklahoma, too, is you can probably bank, if you make that happen, on at least one mistake occurring. I don't think Martinez has thrown a pick yet this year, but he's not putting the ball in anywhere near harm's way for it to be picked off. And a lot of times that means you're not pushing the ball down the field at all. Do they have, you know, last week, Robbie, I was like, I was thinking, man, if they if they just keep rolling to keep this thing up right now, like, Oklahoma's in for in for it. They, they might be in for a real dogfight, and they still could. But the dogfight might be might be between Oklahoma's, uh, you know, their offense and the Kansas State defense, and it might not be the other way around, right? Like that's that's the problem. And if you're going to play that way, like Oklahoma's eventually going to win the field position battle. They're eventually going to hit one or two big plays. You know, as good as the Kansas State defense is, and it's been excellent so far this year. What do we saw there? Like Michael Pratt's a good quarterback and Tulane's a well-coached team. And eventually they matriculated the ball at the field. That should be allowed to happen, right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't need you pitching shutouts uh, th- that kind of way. I know it could be an overreaction, but th- they lost the game. Like they, they, they've now taken a loss. And I think it is time for us to take stock. And this is this Oklahoma team does not feel as vulnerable defensively as last year's did. And this, this, I mean, this isn't Skylar Thompson back there. Like, Skyler's not just some dynamic passer, but at least he was competent. They don't even have that back there. He's a good runner. I think that's the one dangerous thing. But like Oklahoma's gonna be ready for that. They're gonna be ready for that 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 awesome running game with Deuce and Martinez. But we just saw it can be limited and shut down. And you're gonna need more than 20 points to beat OU. Like you're gonna need 24, 31 points maybe to win this game. I'm not sure what it's gonna take, but they're gonna need to score in the 20s. And I'm not sure I have much faith that they will against this team. Yeah, agreed. And it was just 
watching that game, I just felt it was there was no creativity necessarily towards it at all. Like I think in the one of the last plays for Kansas State, it was it was third and nine, and it was like a simple one yard pitch pass to Deuce Vaughn, and he immediately got stuffed. And it was just like, what are we doing? I I get it. And like Adrian Martinez, congrats, no turnovers. But yes, we do need more from that. And your defense is going to keep you in these games. Like that's why I'm not necessarily panicking and saying Kansas State can't be a threat in the Big 12 because their defense is so damn good. They can create turnovers. We saw what they did against Missouri and they, for in Tulane, got two interceptions as well. It is just this offense has to be more than what it is. Third down, two for 15. Fourth down, one for five. You have good players. You have to trust them. Give it to Malik Knowles. You have that ability. Give it to your best players. And I just think Adrian Martinez just has to step up. I still have faith in him because I have no other option. I picked him as my first team quarterback. Looking, it might just be a terrible, terrible decision on my part. But there has to be more there. And Colin Klein, I'm looking at you. Um, But don't panic in Manhattan. If you lose by a lot to Oklahoma and you can't see this and the blueprint is shut down Deuce Vaughn and it still works, then it's time to panic. Well, the big thing is here, like there is definitely cause for concern for Kansas State fans. But if that team starts doubting themselves at all, this week get really ugly. And that's the kind of stuff that can see your season go sideways. And they've got way too much talent in this team for them to get, for it to go sideways. And also you have to understand like years for – a year where they've got six guys on the first team all Big 12 before the season. And those aren't the guys that we're really talking about right now. Like, that, that, I mean, the defense, once again, has played really, really well so far um, in all three games. They you know, pitched a shutout. They forced four straight turnovers against Missouri. And they held, you know, what was it, end up being 17 points, whatever it was. Um, but then you can hit the panic button. I will want to mention one more thing, Robbie. Their EPA, so the expected points added for them per passing play right now and that so that what this means folks is like for every passing play how many points does that add for your team their expected points added per passing play is minus 0.197 so basically what that says is they're almost losing one-fifth of a point every time they throw the football so every five passes they throw they've lost a point basically right uh, whether it means a fill position or you know, just not productive, you know, completions. I mean, I would love it to see what they look like on standard passing downs and what the numbers would be for them. Cause it's probably not very good in standard passing downs, usually like second and seven to third and five, like anywhere in that range, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. It's just, I had somebody mention Jake Rubley the other day, I think in the comments and like, look, that's, that's, that's a bridge too far, but if you can't throw the ball at all, like what, like you might actually have to consider if, if Martinez is gun shy, and just is afraid to throw the football. I'm I'm sure part of it's design and scheme, like you mentioned, and situational stuff. But they they might have to consider mixing in a different quarterback if all Martinez offers to them is the run game. I don't think we're super far away from that being a rational concept to consider. Yeah, uh, Chris Kleiman today did confirm that that Adrian Martinez is definitely the starting quarterback, and it's like not a debate. But it's, I mean, yeah, and it's it, it's crazy because it feels like Adrian Martinez is the mold of what Colin Klein would want or what he was in terms of running the ball. 
but it is just not working. And up front offensive line wise, I don't think they're as good as how they should be. So that has been a concern for them. But yeah, I was like thinking like it was a, a random thought, but like what if Kansas State had like JT Daniels on this team? They would be so damn good. That offense would be amazing, but that is just not their DNA at all. And it it's, yeah, it's not very good. Well, because we talked about it before the season too, one more, one more than this, like my thought being, well, if they, you know, their pace was really slow last year and they're trying to speed it up, but still like you'd have to have a quantum leap for them not to be still a relatively slower offense. And I was like, okay, you know, more opportunities maybe for him to, to, to throw interceptions or fumble, or it's less possession, so we won't do it as much. He's not doing it. He's just not doing anything. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, yeah. There's I mean, Nothing's happening for them. And look, he should be the starter, yes. But good teams, Robbie, and good coaching staffs adjust. Right. And if they're creating some shot I, – I mean, I'm not sure about you. I 110% expect to see them take some shots next game. They have to. If we see some stuff though, where there's guys there, and he's not tossing it, like then we then then there's then there's a real problem, right? Yeah. If we're, if that's part of the offense, and we know we have to do it, like you know, if there's four or five plays, it looks like there's a guy, and even if it's one on one coverage, and it's tough throw, whatever. Like Knowles and Brooks are good players. <laughs> now give those yeah. guys a chance to make some plays. If he doesn't do that, then we can talk about all right you know, can this be fixed or do we have to go a different direction, at least part-time? So to me, that should be on the table. But I think, I bet OU expects to take Kansas State's best shot this week. And I think we all expect Kansas State to take some shots this week. Yeah. And this is a game, I think, under the Lincoln-Riley era that I don't think OU would be tough enough. I think that this is what Brent Venables is preparing them for is to be the tougher football team. And I think Kansas state defensively is the toughest team in the league, but now they're facing a team that all they talk about is being mentally and physically tough with them. That spread is 13 in favor of Oklahoma. I think that's a little high, but offensively for Kansas state, I I don't know how they're going to put points up, but we just saw what Brent Venables did motivation wise against Nebraska. And none of those players, on Oklahoma really care about that rivalry or like they, they should have no reason to care. It's because of what the coaching staff is instilling. Like we see Brent Venables literally cry in order to motivate his team. And now he's facing against his former team and a team that is in the big 12 every year. I, I pray for Kansas state in this game. I, I really do because I think Oklahoma is going to come out and they're going to try and prove some things. Um, so yeah, Kansas state, I'm, you're probably going to be two and two after this week. Yeah, but you know what, what's I'm interested to see what does that best shot look like from Kansas State because Kleiman's a good coach and uh, but there's no way there's no way that Oklahoma's going to be taking Kansas State lightly at all. I mean, there's no way they're going to be feeling themselves. They have to. I think Brent Venables knows like like, and I also don't think this is a loss that like complete, it could be a loss that motivates your team so much against Tulane where you, you're like, you know what, let's go out there and do these things. But you showed so many bad things. Right. It is like, it's it's not about the actual result. It's about like how we got there. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it was a futile, a a very futile offensive performance. And like that, it wasn't a conference loss. Right. But I mean, now we're talking about you. We were talking about you as a potential conference champion, and now you're playing a team on the road that we think you know is right now the front runner to be the conference champion. 
And we're talking about you being a two store underdog and being like, well, it's pretty justified, right? It's, it's justified at this point. And so it's, it's really, it's, it's another fascinating game. Another fascinating. You can only go two and five and third downs against Tulane. I don't know what's going to happen against Oklahoma. Yeah. Was it one for five on fourth? I think it was. I mean, they were more one third down, whatever. Uh, All right, Robbie, big week this week of games. Where can people find you and all of your work? And it's variety. Sirius XM Big 12 Radio. Take a listen. Josh and I do the afternoon show from 2 to 5 Central. It's a good old time. You can follow me on Twitter at the Triano Kid. It's a pleasure as always, Josh. Till next Tuesday. Till next Tuesday, Robbie. Always appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you.